My name is Harrison Wheeler, and this is the Technically Speaking Podcast. I sit down with BIPOC designers, entrepreneurs, and technologists. We discuss careers, triumphs, and their resilience, and the why behind their decisions. Before we get started with the show, I just wanted to plug our Patreon. If you like what you're listening to and you want to support the podcast, for as low as $3, you can contribute monthly to help support the production of the show. You can contribute today by heading over to patreon.com slash technically speaking HW. I'll also include the link in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. I interview Chris Lim Chin, a designer and educator based in LA. We discuss the overlap between teaching and working in the design industry. It's about acknowledging the fact that students come into your classroom with two backpacks, mm. one that you see it has all their supplies, and that second one is what they're carrying with them into the classroom. Yeah. And so I think there is this common misconception that students come in and they're supposed to just leave their life outside of the door and be able to focus. And it's no like some of my students are caregivers to their parents right. and they're young, right. very young, or they're the ones taking their siblings to school because mom, dad can't because they're already at work or they have a part-time job because they have to support their family that they live with or they don't even have permanent homes or they're facing food insecurity. It's just so much, so many things that students come with and it's unfortunate sometimes that the lens is so blurred that they're at school so they should be present and successful or otherwise. And so yeah. I try to, I have a very holistic approach to teaching yeah. and believe that everyone should have an opportunity and should be equitable. Chrism shares her goal of becoming a professor in her upcoming launch of her studio, Hello World, which aims to provide opportunities for emerging designers. Chrislam offers a wealth of advice for those just starting out, encouraging them to charge what they deserve and to never deny themselves an opportunity. Hey everybody, my name is Harrison Wheeler and welcome to another episode of Technically Speaking. My guest today is Krizlim Chin. You're in LA, right? Are you in LA proper or are you like outside? I'm in okay. West LA. Nice. I always like to preface some of these shows. Like I've had an opportunity to meet a number of my guests and we actually met during this like Adobe design oriented game show. Hmm. And it was really fun. It was, remember how nervous it was? Yeah. It was so fun. It was so, so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, what was that? The purpose of the show basically is that you, Adobe had like basically brought on these contestants and they would like, we would basically be the agency, I'm assuming. And essentially they had to guess what well, we had guess to guess what we were doing. Oh yeah. yeah we brand. had to guess the brand based on the photos they pulled from Adobe stuff. Yeah. I feel like that would be a pretty fun Netflix special because Netflix has pretty much everything in every genre. It's a shame though that they, they stopped the show, but we were able to meet and it's been fun. It's been fun following yeah. you, by the way. I was like, I was going to say like, we've become besties on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram um, and, and LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. No, it's been fun, you know, being connected with you and like, you're over here. Just, I feel like, I'm like, my question is where in the world is Harrison? It's always. <laughs> 
Like, where is he? Because he's always in a different country whenever I look at your Instagram stories. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. He's on the other side of the world this time. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This year was crazy because I think it was like maybe a matter of maybe 10 days because I was in Germany for a conference I spoke at. Then I was in Austin. And then I don't think too long after that, I was in Japan. In the world. Traversing, traversing world, meeting really cool people. It's amazing just like talking about design in in different countries as well. It's definitely been a blessing this year. It's been a lot of travel and tiring. Looking back, it's just been, it's just been really great and inspiring. I think travel is really important for creative folks too. Oh, 100%. 100%. They're like, if you stay in one place for too long, you're, yeah, you just need to see different things, be with other people. Exactly. And of course, eat the food. Yes, 100%. 100%. One of the things that I want to say here is that you're a designer and an educator. And as I was talking, just following you, I think since we've met, you've gone through the master's program and you've, you've had your own agency. You've done a ton of workshops as well. And obviously on that professor kind of tenure track. Maybe tell me, like, what is like, Chris, what is like your goal? Do you have a goal in mind? Or are you just trying to like, move about like how did this all come to be the goal was has always been to become a teacher Mm -hmm. that was it from the moment that i i learned graphic design when i was in high school through mr michael doms in colony high here in california he's the one who taught me that you could have a career in graphic design Mm -hmm. and then from there i was like okay i'm gonna go do that but i also really want to be a teacher so for the last 12 years i started my career at 19 and so when i when I started that, I was like, okay, I want to become a as great of a designer as possible, yeah. but I want to become a professor. Mm. So that has been my North Star. And when people ask me, what is a dream? I'm now living it. Yeah. And the ultimate dream was I just wanted to be submerged in education. Yeah. And I was like, wouldn't it be fierce if I was a master's student and also teaching? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I had a lot of self-doubt and I was like, none of those things would even happen. And then lo and behold... This past, the two semesters previously, I was both a master's student, graduate and also teaching, which was extremely difficult. <laughs> yeah. But it was so fulfilling. Yeah. So that, that was the dream. And now really moving into in next year in Q1, we're launching my stu- little, my tiny but mighty studio. It's called Hello World Studio. Mm. So if you... If you're a follower of the Instagram story, Hello World has a has a story behind it. Yeah. So we're launching that in February. We've been really in the weeds of trying to get it up and running this past summer. Yeah. And it's looking pretty good. I'm excited. Yeah. So the dream is to be teacher and studio owner. So headed in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about this, like how you've got, you're actually in the field, but also teaching at the same time. Where do you see that interplay? Because I'm imagining that there's going to be some sort of overlay between both, right? I don't want to ask the question, but you know where I'm headed, right? It's obviously on the teaching side, I think it's important to bring in the real world kind of situations. Mm-hmm. And then obviously with a studio, there's a huge education component when it comes to clients as well. Huge. And when you're, the but what they have an overlap is mm-hmm. you're teaching the students how to be an industry professional and you're also teaching clients on the processes and how to do the project and so there's education on both sides and they couldn't be much they're they're very different and 
it's so important to, to be in both areas at the same time. And in fact, because I'm a tenure track professor, it's written in my contract that I need to continue practicing. Wow. Which is good, right? Because yeah. we want to make sure that we're always putting professors who are also industry, who are still practicing in industry in front of our students because you and I both know our industry moves so fast. Like this. <laughs> like what we're talking about today could yeah. be so different in even just six months. Yeah. So it's important for us to keep our practice. And so my response to to making sure that I was still practicing was to open the studio. And yeah. so now we have a tiny but mighty team and Really, the foundation of Hello World is built on emerging designers. So yeah. essentially, when you work with Hello World Studio, for every project you sign with us, there's always going to be an emerging designer hmm. who is part of that project so that they can get the experience that. they need. Yeah, because look at the world, look at the like job world right now. Yeah. You know, inter junior graphic designers are expected to have one, at least one year of experience. Right. But I'm like, how is that even possible if we're if they're in school? Uh, Some students can't afford to do that. They don't have the accessibility to do both school and work at the same time. Yeah. And so my, that was my response with Hello World is I want to create a space for emerging designers so that they can get the experience that they need yeah. in order to go into the real into the industry. Yeah. I hate saying real world because this is the, the real world, world is, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I remember my professors used to say in the real world, and it's you no know, because no. you're just just discounting the fact that what we're experiencing right now is the real world industry. <laughs> and by the way, I think it's way more inclusive that way, right? By definition, there 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 are some folks that are very young that are already supporting families and, and need to work, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's not a matter of walking across the stage and changing the tassel. And I love that idea of just like apprenticeship because I think even if we do, even with that, right, like. You've got folks, and I run across folks all the time through mm -hmm. mentoring, where they go to these universities and universities don't really have even a design program, right? And so they're like, mm -hmm. What's, what do we do? And there's, I've seen folks get really scrappy with it, right? I think, I think there's a group of students that they have a UX group and it's really active and mm -hmm. they're communicating with folks in the industry. So it's just really amazing to, to hear how you see where the opportunity is to really help folks. And you're right, like employment is different. It's not open to just a few people that, you know, were given like that pathway. So really great yeah. to hear. Yeah, and it, I love what you said. It, it really is not just about crossing that stage. Um, students come with a second backpack. There was a book that I read called Two Backpacks. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to forget. I feel bad for getting the author. Um, we can, I you know what? You it's fine. You can reference that. We'll put the link in the show notes. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 <laughs> uh, but it's called Two Backpacks. And really, it's about acknowledging the fact that students come into your classroom with two backpacks. Mm. One that you see, it has all their supplies. And that second one is what they're carrying with them into the classroom. Yeah. And so I think there is this common misconception that students come in and they're supposed to just leave their life outside of the door and be able to focus. And it's no, like some of my students are caregivers to their parents right. and they're young, right. very young, or they're the ones taking their siblings to school because mom, dad can't because they're already at work or mm -hmm. they have a part-time job because they have to support their family that they live with, or they don't even have permanent homes. Right. 
or they're facing food insecurity. It's just so much, so many things that students come with, and it's unfortunate sometimes that the lens is so blurred that they're at school, so they should be present and successful or otherwise. And so yeah, I try to. I have a very holistic approach to teaching yeah. and believe that everyone should have an opportunity and should be equitable. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, by the way, I love the name Hello World. It, I can think about like the, it's a common like first course, like when you're designing even a website and it's Hello World or when you're developing any sort of programming script and it represents just taking the first step into Something that you've been curious about and getting it to finally yeah. work. Yeah, there's so much, so many tiebacks to Hello World. So I used to, when I, back when YouTube was just <laughs> a starter, right? Like yeah. back in 2000, not even 2005, when, whenever you I think it was like 2004. 2003, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kev Jumba <laughs> was uh, Kev <laughs> our person. And I thought I wanted to be a YouTuber. And so the way I used to open my videos is saying, hello world. Mm, and so yeah. I used to say that way back when, and I carried that over. Yeah. And so it felt very natural to call it hello world. But to your point, the reason why I love it is because our mantra is, we're all about making dreams come true, mine, mm. yours, and ours. And so when it comes from an emerging designer's perspective, it's a hello world, like I'm brand new, like I want to get to know you, like here are the things that I'm working on. And then when we're working with companies who are starting up, it's, oh, hello world, like we're a new company, check yeah. out who we are. So it really is that new beginning mm. and making dreams come true. I know that sounds a little fairy tale and Disney-esque, but <laughs> that's essentially the root of it. So it worked out perfectly with the name. Yeah. When you talk about starting to design at 19, like what, obviously we talk about the dream, but what was the thing that really like captured or captivated you? And then my next piece is, do you think that is reflected like when you work with students in your agency? Oh, for me, when I was 19, the goal was I want to move to downtown L.A. That yeah. was the goal. Yeah. That was the goal. I want to work in downtown L.A. I want to move to downtown L.A. And when I was offered multiple jobs when I got out of college from Disney and Mattel, I remember those two being the big ones. They were only offering externships so mm. it would have been done in six months yeah and there was one company called hypothesis market research firm i have no idea who they were <laughs> but they were located in downtown la and the only one offering a full-time position wow so i was like you said downtown la i'm there <laughs> um and then they were like but also by the way we're working with powerpoint and pcs yeah. and i was like but you said downtown la right <laughs> so i took that job and of course that job changed my life forever Mostly because that's where I met my husband. Yeah. And, uh, but the drive was always there. I was like, I want to just go. Yeah. See how far I can go. I will say that students now, I see the drive, but I'd like to think that students now are experiencing burnout way mm. earlier than even you and I probably were yeah. when we were younger. And like how, I, it, like how so? I'm super curious. Is it Duke? Is it due to, due to like the two backpacks thing we talked about or? Yeah, yeah. the two backpacks that we're seeing, there's obviously inflation right now. It's just absolutely it's expensive. crazy. Yeah. How in the world is anyone supposed yeah. to really be? For sure. Know, it's discouraging. And you hear corporate toxic culture as part of that whole yeah. ecosystem as well. Yeah. And so it's not 
to some students, it could be very discouraging to want and try, right? Mm. Why should I try if I'm never going to be able to make it because I need three jobs in order to have a proper income in this state, right? Right. And so I could see that there's some, the drive is still there, but it's definitely more cautious. But the students that I have, they're all so wonderful. The ones who are pursuing design are absolutely just, they're in it to win it. The designers in our studio, one in particular, actually there's three of them, but one in particular, I see her and I'm like, she is, <laughs> I see a baby me in her, which yeah. is why I put her. Yeah. But she is just like always 10 steps ahead. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm also curious, like what are some other themes that you're tar- starting to see? Ooh. With my students, they're really good at keeping their boundaries. Mm. And I think millennials could learn from them. Yeah. Right. And that's been the conversation before is that us as millennials, we're like, yes, right. right. Oh. Whereas Gen Z, a little bit later, are, yes, but. Right. And I'm learning from them, right? It's like when I tell, one thing that I've noticed is that when I tell my students my journey yeah. and or what I'm doing, I am often met with this question of, do you take time to rest? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I've heard that multiple times. Like from, they're like, that's hand up. That's all well and great. But when do you make time to just not do anything? Right. And I'm always left with. Yeah. <laughs> I rest, I rest, you know, and I'm like, I just, you know, once like on a Saturday, I might just like not do anything. And they're like, yeah, but is that enough? And so. Yeah. They're really concerned with making sure that there's a balance. Whereas I think when you and I were probably students, mm. we were like, whatever you need me to do, right? 100%. Whatever yeah. you need me to do. At two in the morning, you need no. 17 assets. I'm on it. Oh, I'm I know. on it. I know. Yeah. And you know what, though? It's interesting because I love that for Gen Z. Mm. I will say that there are some folks who are in the older generation who look at Gen Z and they're like, they're lazy. They're yeah. lazy. And I... There, to some extent, there might be right. There's millennials were lazy too, but I everybody that with, every lazy lazy. Look, people need rest. Okay, we'll keep it at yeah, it. Doesn't matter what generation you're from. Yeah, but I think that they are exercising barriers that are healthy. Yeah, and I'm, and they will hold people accountable to 100%. that. And I think that's I think that's super fierce for that generation because you and I were yes people, and that has. You, I'm sure you can attest to that has taken a toll on us physically, mentally, 100%. spiritually, everywhere, right? I'm excited for Gen Z. They could teach us a thing or two. Yeah, we always laugh at design humor. I don't know if you follow that like Instagram account, but it's clearly ran by a bunch of millennials because it's just toxic <laughs> design tropes of just the stress of working with like freelance clients, right? We all have nightmare stories. And even reflecting on that, it's like, Considering like waking up at 2 a.m., all the revisions, people not being clear in terms of their needs, like you end up making like a dollar an hour, right? Yes. And I think there is an interesting part of, hey, look, if you really looking at these prices right now in in the cost of living, we can't be having those types of clients anymore. And it's true. It does manifest itself physically. I have many stories on that. And it's definitely caused me to reflect in, in terms of where I put the energy. So. Yeah. And what really sparked right now in my mind is that you and I are really 
the majority of designers right now, like in our generation. Right. So it really is our, you and I, it's our responsibility to make sure that by the time Gen Z gets into the workforce, that we've already held our clients accountable as exactly. much as we can. So they're not asking Gen Z to, or just any emerging designer, really. Right. Not, it's not even about age, right? It's just about any emerging designer because you and I are the ones practicing in the field right now. Yeah. It's our responsibility to make sure that the playing field is ready for them so that they're not having to do the crazy things that we had to. And look, I'm not saying that emerging designers now are not going to face the 2 a.m. grind, right? They're going to. Yeah. That's going to be normal. But hopefully it'll be less because we are in front of them taking care of that. Yeah. And that's a lot. It's a huge responsibility to bear. But I think at least that is what what I believe my role is to be in the classroom is that I want to make sure that they are prepared as much as possible. And that's me preparing them and also trying to be the voice of reason in the industry of Mm. we don't. This sense of urgency is totally valid, but it doesn't have to be toxic, right? Right. right. And that's really... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, look, I really like where this discussion is going. Because like for me, I've seen this happen over time of churn. Mm -hmm. And there's obviously different phases in careers or projects or problem spaces where you have to apply yourself, but you also need to have some form of developing like understanding what the purpose is or obviously understanding met- methodologies and, and how to apply those and when to apply those. So a few, if, if this was like Chris Lim's advice in terms of a foundational designer, like what, where would you see that? What would you see that sort of being made up of? There is sort of two now that you and I came in with an idea of what would I say? But now that we've had this conversation, oh. there's two now, right? My advice to emerging designers, and this is what I tell my students too, the two things, is that there is a pressure from our industry at the moment, from our influencers in our space, Mm. that if we're not charging X amount of money, you're failing, right? Right. You should be charging the client $10,000 for that logo project. We hear it all the time. And I believe that is valid. For folks like you and I who have been in this space for a very long time, but emerging designers, they, the, they're sponges, yeah. right? And they're learning how to be in this space. Right. And I always want to encourage them, don't listen to the people who are yelling at you yeah. for not charging appropriately. Right. They don't realize that you may not have the skill to push back and negotiate. But not only that, I think what happens is the folks who yell at people about like, you didn't charge enough. Sometimes they don't have that bargaining chip because they need that project right. to feed their family, keep the roof over their heads. So instead of berating them, like, why didn't you charge more? Yeah. I think we should be lifting them up and encouraging them how they can do that. And never lose sight of the fact that some people are living, most people are living paycheck to paycheck. And that bargaining chip is not even in the forefront. So that's like the one I always tell my students, please don't ever charge what makes sense to you, but always continue to charge as you get exactly because you deserve that. Yeah. Yeah. But also understand that there are going to be, even me, even now I'm 12 years, 13 years in the industry. Yeah, I'll take a project. I can, 
Yes, it's five dollars a gallon, six dollars a gallon. Yeah, I'll take that project. And right. Yeah, you don't have to pay me that much because I just need some gas. Right, right. right? So, yeah. But that's my first advice to them. Mm. My second advice to them, and they're gonna hear this on their last day next, is never deny yourself an opportunity. Mm. Right. We are faced with many op- not faced with. We will have many opportunities that may arise. Right. Apply for the applying for the school, applying for the job, the scholarship, the award, the grant, whatever that is. And oftentimes they're going to feel we're going to feel self doubt. Right. Right. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not enough. But I want to encourage my students in any emerging design, really, actually, that what is the worst thing right. that could happen if you apply to something? What is the worst thing? Mm. They're going to say no. And okay. Right. No. No is an answer. It's better that you have the answer than to wonder what could happen. And never and yet yeah, never take the leap. <laughs> yeah, and never and you, and you always think what if, right? right. It's better I always and I have this slide on my screen that I say it's better no than what if. Mm. Never let the external forces tell you no. Let the scholarship tell you no. Let the college, let the job tell you no. Yeah. But don't tell yourself no because right. you don't feel enough, right? I love that. Um, it's like, why should I say no to my... I should be... We should all be our best cheerleaders. No, girl, you need to apply. You got it? Go, <laughs> right? And who cares if it's, they say no? The fact is that you can look back and say that you tried versus right. looking back and being like, I wonder what that that is more haunting than mm-hmm. anything else. Like, like looking back and wondering what could have happened if I had done that. Yeah. And I believe that so deeply in my heart because that's how I've operated my right. entire career is just saying I I don't think I'm good enough, but I'm going to do it anyway, right? That is my do it anyway. Yeah. Is really my mantra, right? And it's I have faced many no's in my life, but opened the proper doors mm. for because I just kept trying. I was when I was doing the workshops, I was like, "Who do I think I am? <laughs> Who do I think I am?" Like brush lettering workshop, or PowerPoint workshop, or yeah. whatever is it that I was doing the emerging designer workshop that I had you on with the portfolio. Who do I think that I am to be doing this? Yeah. But I said, "Whatever, I'm gonna do it anyway." The people that want to listen will listen, and we'll see. Um, and that ended up opening so many doors for me. Mm -hmm. which then led to the teaching. I believe that my dreams of becoming a professor would have not been realized had it not for me just going and never telling myself no. That doesn't mean that you're cocky, right? It's just, but it's just when you feel that self-doubt, it's just, no. you have to ask yourself, why not me, right? right? I'm a, I'm an Asian woman. And oftentimes I will see that my opposite peers will apply anyways because and i ask like what why and they're like why not and i'm like yeah you're right why not why not me so i will apply i I think too on top of that right putting yourself out there too you you develop more confidence i always say especially when like feedback is one of those things it's it's very different and you probably know this right like in especially in graphic design critiques are a really big part of the practice and i've always tried to reframe it it's like feedback is a tool and mm-hmm. the more that you put yourself out there, the more you put yourself in these opportunities, it may not work out, but guess what? You've gained more knowledge. You're starting to understand how to articulate things, how people are receptive to those. 
And more and more of those experience, those opportunities might come up. And eventually, instead of what if, you'll start saying why not, right? There's <laughs> nothing but upside. Yeah, I love it. that. I love that. Yeah, it becomes, yeah, why not? What do yeah. we have to lose, right? Of course, there are some things that, you know, like certain things that require monetary entrance yeah. fees and stuff like that. So you, there's things to lose for, for sure. sure. But for in sure. terms of, but yeah, like you said, like you learn so much from the experience of just trying yeah. versus not trying at all. There's nothing that you're doing. You're yeah. not practicing anything. Yeah. And yeah, it's really, and I love, I tell my students all the time, it's like graphic design is such a great field because it's the one space where you're used to receiving feedback right. that when you do finally receive feedback, oh, okay, right. And even as a teacher, mm. I've applied the same tool as in teaching. I ask my students with me, I'm like, you need, you can tell me if I need to do a better job at doing something. Right. Please don't think that it's a personal thing. Right. I'm not going to take anything personal unless you come for me and then we're going to catch these hands. Well, no, but <laughs> I tell them all the time, like you, if I'm going too fast, too slow, if I'm boring you, I tell my students, all, if you're bored, I'm likely bored too. Because if I'm not up here having fun, for sure, you're not having fun. It's you gotta. And I, that's yeah. what I love about graphic design. We are so okay with being mm. to receive feedback, right? Yeah, it's it's the one thing that I loved about the career is that we just become all right, cool, yeah, I yeah, I'll fix that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love by the way thematically from what if to why not. That should be like your next workshop. I it love would, that. Yeah, I love. It's that. just me being like, do it anyway. Or yeah, you're going to be the next, what is it, Gary V? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, what to? What if to why not? And I feel like for my version, like, and it's okay to cry at, along the way, and right? <laughs> you have no session. issue crying in your stories. Like, Lit like it's, I And I try not to be cringy about it. Though. Yeah. I try to be like. No, no it's real. It's real. I really appreciate this discussion, right? Because. I think a lot of times the conversations around success and not necessarily the journey and having a passion for something, but understanding like there's like a real situation that we have to navigate, right? Because the things that you're talking about, I've never actually articulated reflecting on my past, but I'm like, damn, like I was trying to make a living doing these types of things and I would take on mm -hmm. clients and I don't think I necessarily understood the concept and the meaning of burnout because I was trying to make this much money. And so I was taking on all these clients and it got to a point where I had to really ask myself, are is some of this stuff worthwhile anymore? Is it really mm -hmm. feeding in? It's actually, in some cases, actually a little bit more detrimental. 100%. And so ton of content out there in terms of the execution piece, which makes sense. But I think ultimately it, it is a way to make a living. It's not just a passion. I wish we could just do that and... How does that discussion go? Graphic design is an art, but it also is a way to make money. It's a living. It's yeah. used by companies to do what they need to do. Yeah. The discussions that I have with emerging designers and really just anyone in general is that never let the world define what success looks like to you. Mm. Even in our space, like yeah. our space as graphic designers, they only ever highlight the people who have made it to the very top, right? Yeah. Because they worked with big box names. They worked with huge names. But and I, before I became a professor, mm. I was like, that's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to go and work for Disney, right. Netflix, all the big, big companies. When I became a professor, 
And I noticed that my students started asking me, but what if I never work for Netflix、right. or Nike? Does that make me a failure?、Mm. And it made me realize that first answer is no, right? Success is what you determine what success is. I am not even, I tell my students, like, yeah, sure, I've worked with the big names before, but I, compared to the peers who are more quote unquote successful, Than I am, I would never hold a candle to people who work as a creative director、really? at Disney. But then I started listening to myself and I'm like, that's not healthy. Yeah. And I don't want my emerging designers to ever hear me say that because I didn't work here, I'm not successful. Right. I'd like to believe that the reason why I am successful today is because I pushed forth through my entire journey. Through all those obstacles and challenges and all those beautiful、yeah. opportunities, I was so honored to have. And I landed the job that I wanted. Yeah. That, and I love doing it. And that is what I try to leave with my emerging designers is that making money, absolutely. We all want to make money because we all have one, it's expensive. And two, it's part of life. Yeah. But if you are chasing money to become rich, it's not going to be as fulfilling as. Chasing money to grow.、Mm. I was just telling my husband yesterday, I was listening to Cheers by Rihanna, and she says, I got a drink on my mind and my mind on my money. Yeah.、And、for some reason, you know, I used to hear that, that I used to hear that lyric and, sing, and think, oh, I got my mind on my money, meaning I want my dollar bills, I want to make a lot of money. But now, as my new season, money to me means accessibility and growth.、Mm. And that doesn't mean for me, that doesn't mean that I need a ton of money in right. order to grow. Right. I need enough to grow, right. right? Especially with Hello World, or I really want to scale my master's thesis workshop.、Mm. But that doesn't mean all the riches in the world.、Yeah. Right? And I want to impart that in my emerging designers where it doesn't matter if you work at small agencies, if you're in there and you're growing and you're making that money, that's success to me,、mm. right? And I never want emerging designers or anyone to feel that because they're not making millions of dollars or they're not some top content creator that they're failing, right? They're not, there's no failure if there's growth happening. That's my two cents. I love that. I love that. Give me one sec. My, my cat thing is talking and I'm waiting for. Okay. <laughs> there's one more thing. That was awesome, by the way. Like, I, I want to, I just want to ask you one more random question. Sure. What is what, The rubber duckies. So, for folks, for context, Chris Lum has an obsession with rubber duckies. And I've never had an opportunity to ask you. By the way, it's like you have a costume, you've got like small ones planted everywhere, your student's <laughs> kitchen uses gifts. Like, I need context. Okay. It's actually, it has turned out to be such a beautiful story because when I, First, became a professor.、Mm. I didn't know. Have you ever seen How I Met Your Mother? I've seen, wait, is that a movie or is that a sitcom? No, a show. Okay, a I show. feel like I've seen like a few episodes. Okay. <laughs> There's an episode where Ted Mosby becomes a professor and his first day, he is really struggling with what kind of professor am I going to be? And he goes through multiple,、yeah. multiple、uh, personalities in the span of 10 minutes, right? And so I was also feeling very similar. I was like, I don't know what kind of professor I want to be.、Mm. 
Am I a serious one? Am I a cool professor? But I'm also five foot and I'm Asian and I can, I look like one of our students mm. and I have been mistaken for a student multiple times, right? That was that. I was trying to figure out what kind of professor I was. Then my, my partner, his name is Steve. He is about to retire. He's the one who created the program. Mm. And I was asking him about, are there any ways that I could engage the students to get them to talk, to get them to just have fun or whatever it is. He said, oh, you know what? I used to give out these. I used to give out little duckies if the students are participating and they can return it to me at the end of the mm. semester for a point. And at first I was like, I can't do that because if I'm over here looking like this, me pointing to my face for the audio viewers, <laughs> listeners, I'm saying, they're going to think, oh my gosh, she's young and she's hip and I'm going to be able to be cool with her or whatever. And that terrified me. I was like, Steve, I can't do that. I can't give out the duckies. I have to put this shield on yeah. to make myself. And he's like, yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. Then fast forward to my second semester of teaching. I, entered, I was just like, let's just see what happens. Because I wasn't really loving the version of myself that I was bringing into the classroom because I knew I was being a little stuffy because yeah. I didn't know who I wanted to be as a professor. Right. So I said second semester, I'm like, okay, this is really up my alley anyway. So let's just try the whole ducky situation. And the duckies really allowed me to finally find myself uh. as a professor in the classroom. It allowed me, I was like, oh, I can be still a fun teacher and still uphold professionalism. And so now, and my partner who is retiring soon, that was his idea. And I want, he's the person that really helped me. He's the one who pushed me to apply for the full-time tenure track position. Yeah. Uh, so really the person who helped this dream come true. So this is really like an honor to him. And so now the duckies are everywhere. I was going to say, you fully accepted <laughs> it and embodied <laughs> it like. Radical acceptance. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Awesome. Well, well, Quislin, thank you for sharing that that story. And obviously, some of the other stories I think is really eye-opening. And I learned a lot from it and almost was able to reflect during the episode oh. on some of my <laughs> journey. How can folks learn more about the agency, get in touch with you, all the things? They can visit two different websites. They can go to chrislamchin.com or they can go to helloworldstudio.com or they can literally just google chrislam chin and they'll find me <laughs> <laughs> and my email of course is chrislam at helloworldstudio.com and really if there are any small businesses that are listening i am especially looking to collaborate with you if you have a dream we want to help you realize it so that's what they could where they could find me yeah and you're putting out some really good stuff on linkedin as well because i have to give the plug oh thank oh. you thank you thank you all right look you have uh, a great day and and again thank you for coming on the show it's really great to catch up no thank you i feel so honored when i got your your email i was like oh he wants me to the podcast no way <laughs> so i'm so honored thank you so much yeah and thank you for what you do this is a i think what you're doing with this podcast and the community building that you're doing i wish we were closer because i would be helping <laughs> you put these events together um i think what you're doing is so powerful and i honestly thank you. hope appreciate this it I hope everything that you do scales monumentally. Hey. Not to an extent of your mind. Yeah, we can't let it run off the, the rails, but definitely <laughs> want to do something in LA. So we'll, we'll be in touch. That concludes the show. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. 
That is a huge way to show your support and it really helps us reach more people and grow our following. By the way, we release a new episode every two weeks, but in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, or YouTube at Technically Speaking HW. Again, thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. This has been a production of Technically Speaking Media.